Now, tomorrow night, uh, we are always featuring one thing, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all. Amen. And whatever his divine will is for us to do. But if it be his divine will, tomorrow night on the seal of God, we're going to speak, if the Lord willing. And tonight, we give out, if he be his privilege for us to do it, or our privilege for us to do for him, rather, tonight, we want to speak on one of the most vital subjects of the hour, the mark of the beast. And last night, we was in the church ages the seven church ages, and uh, beginning with the Ephesian church age of Ephesus and ended up at the Laodicean church age, the last church age. And may the Lord add his blessings now to the word as we speak. Now, shall we just bow our heads in a moment of prayer just before we open this divine word? Kind Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this privilege that we have tonight to be alive and to be here on earth tonight and have health and strength and can sit in the building where the Word of God is being read. And we pray, O blessed Redeemer, being our kinsman Redeemer who has washed us in his blood and cleansed us from sin, and now presenting us to the Father, faultless in Christ Jesus. May you come tonight and take the Word and open it to our hearts. May the Holy Spirit get a hold of the Word as it's being taught, and may go straight to its goal, to every heart, my heart, and the audience's heart, as we have need of it, Father, may it be supplied. And may no one take an offense of the word. And Father, if any time that I should say something that would be contrary to thy leading, may the Holy Spirit stop my mouth. I desire only to know what is truth and then to walk therein. Bless us together now. Forgive us of our sins as we gathered into this house of worship. And may our sins be under the blood and our spirits put in the right attitude of worship at this time. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just thinking this little piece of paper here, I wrote down several scriptures to, of uh, referring to, to read, to begin with. And now when I get up here, it seems like I don't feel to read any of them. <laughs> That's usually the way it goes. Four or five little texts to start from. But I want to read or say this first, that in speaking, I never take thought. You know, perhaps just as I, I have no more planned out what to say than you do. Not a thing. I just wait for him. Just as I see it, I just reach and get it handed out. And then sometimes it's I may sound a little rough sometimes, but it's just the only way I receive it. So that's the, that's the only way I can give it. Now, in this, let me say again tonight, this is not directed towards any individual or anybody's religion. Not at all. We don't believe in that. We believe that we're real 
few Americans that every man can have the privilege of worshiping God according to the dictates of his own conscience. And we want it to always be that way. But in every church, we have doctrines. Many times in organizations, denominations, they have a creed, and they stay on that creed. This is our creed. No matter what the minister thinks, he's got to preach the creed because he's in the denomination. And in here, we don't have no creed but Christ. That's the creed. And no law but love. No book but the Bible. And Christ is the head, and the Bible is our textbook. The world is not terribly so. I like to just preach the way that I feel led to preach, and just the way that I see it. And then in this time, in speaking especially on this real rough, hard-cutting part of the gospel. But you know, this is the house of judgment. Judgment begins at the word, house of God. Right, here's where judgment begins. And if you went here to the court and you have to have a trial, they got a book of law there. You have to read this law to find out what you're judged for. And that's the way it is in the house of God. We've got to take it from the Word of God. And now, many times in these things, so you be sure to get this now, that I could be wrong. Uh, my interpretation could be wrong. But I try to read it just as close and just say like it says. Just stay right with the Scripture, what it says to say. And now, it's just too bad, or maybe it isn't the will of the Lord, and maybe it is, I don't know, that I would like to have just week after week in this book, just to stay right here and watch it catch right back over into Daniel, and Daniel in Revelations, and tie in the prophets, and the whole Word of God is every bit tied right together. Sixty-six books wrote by numbers of men, hundreds of years apart, and not one contradicts the other one. Not one. Every one of them perfect. Never was a piece of literature wrote like it in all the world. They've been for two thousand years trying to alter the Lord's Prayer. To put one word to it or take one away from it to make it better. You just can't do it. Oh, it's perfect. It's the Word of God. And I believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. Every word of it is inspired. I don't believe just this is not inspired and this is and that is. I believe it's all inspired. Amen. Either all right or all wrong. And if it's all mixed up, then we don't know what to do. But it's every bit the truth. I'm willing to sacrifice my life at any moment for what thus saith the Lord is here. Now, now, we're just having these two nights, and by the way, we're going to have Saturday night service. It goes right on just the same of having them. Uh, some of the folks of the church said they would um, uh, be dirty to come into church Sunday morning. Uh, some of them said they would stay Saturday night after the service and help clean up the church so that the people wouldn't have to come in Sunday morning or the or they wouldn't have to work on Sunday to, to get to take the church up. We don't, we won't, I'm not a Sabbatarian, but yet I like to respect this uh, worship just as close as I can. And now, then I think, uh, I'll announce tomorrow night, maybe if the Lord willing, what we'll talk on for Saturday night. Now, tonight is the mark of the beast, and tomorrow night the seal of God. There are the two most of, I guess, most vital subjects.
subject to be spoke on in this day. For I truly believe that we're living in the time of this investigating judgment of God. I believe we're right in the day of it. And we don't want to be radical. We don't want to be fanatically. We just want to approach it just as sane as the Bible will speak it here. And that's perfect, of course. And now, in doing this, we hear so many people that they talk about the mark of the beast. You've heard it for a long time. What is it? Who does it, where, who's going to have it? And if they do have it, what, what's it going to do to them? What, what could it harm you? Is there, is there any harm to it? Well, uh, that's what we, we want to find out from the Word of God. First thing, if there is a mark of the beast, spoke of in the Bible. And the next thing, what age will it pertain to? And um, who will be the people that will have it? And what would you do? Could you have it and not know it? And uh, so forth. That Just those questions like that. So, to the best of my knowledge, that uh, this would be the, one of the most vital two subjects that I can think of in the Bible, the mark of the beast and the seal of God. Now, the first, I got a scripture here to show whether, uh, just wrote out, just so I could turn to it. And uh, that is, uh, to begin with, let's just see what the mark of the beast is, and is it dangerous to have this mark? Is it? Now, in Revelations, the 14th chapter, and the ninth verse, it's the third angel's message. Now, any Bible scholar, I see Brother Stanley here, and two or three more ministers sitting present. Last evening, there was some uh, brethren here from the Baptist Seminary, and uh, Louisville, and perhaps there's some tonight. I do not know, and there's probably Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, and maybe Orthodox Jew. I don't know, but it's not. This is not to hurt anybody's feelings, not at all. And it's just for just the way the Bible is wrote to read it, and let you look at it yourself, and let's approach it just as. Sanely as we know how, in the fear of God, knowing that He'll judge us for our words. Our words will either bless us or condemn us at the day of the judgment. And if I feel that I know something and keep it back, then God's going to make me pay for it at the day of judgment. And souls of their hands saying, Brother Branham, if you'd only told us, we wouldn't have been in this condition today. I want to stand like Paul of old. I'm free from all man's blood. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. That's right. Just as I see it. And if I'm wrong, then God forgive me. These things never come. I never went to any seminary, never went to any school, never took anybody else's word about it. I went right straight into the Bible in prayer. And this is divinely revealed by the Holy Spirit, the same angel of God that directs me to see visions and so forth like that in the healing of the sick. And you can judge for that whether it would be true or not. Now, this is the third angel's message to the world. And you know what the third angel's message? It's going forth now, in this day. This is the flying of the third angel message. If you're a Bible reader, there were three wars followed. The first one happened in World War One. Second one happened in World War Two. You see what we're going in now. All right. We're at the end of the road. Now let's get this on and remind us before we read the scripture. 
positionally, we are bound to be at the end age. How long? I don't know. No one does. But look, let's take historically speaking. The first 2,000 years, the world order come to a climax, and God destroyed the world with water. You know that? Then it come forth as a new world. And the second 2,000 years, it came to its end again, and God sent Jesus. Is that right? This is the end of the next 2,000 years. 1954, and the gospel, Jesus said the work would be cut short for a while. The elect hate are no flesh to be saved. So we're at the end time. And then the seventh and type is the millennium, a thousand years. As God labored 6,000 years, we know that a thousand years, one day in heaven is a thousand years on earth, Second Peter. Now, and God built the world in 6,000 years, and the church labored against sin now for 6,000 years, and the 7,000, God went to rest and rested the seventh, and now a type of the millennium, the church lives here on earth, right here, and body form for a thousand years without sickness, sorrow, trouble, or death. Take his and God will take his. 
Tonight we're going to see who's wearing Satan's brand. And tomorrow night we're going to see who's wearing God's brand according to the Word of God. Amen. Now, here's the angel's message, the ninth verse of the fourteenth chapter. Read a couple of these scriptures here I got written out. And the angel and the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast, his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Sure don't want nothing to do with that. Look, and the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no peace day or night who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receives the mark of his name. I don't want nothing to do with that, I'm sure. Listen to the next verse while I'm looking at it. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have faith in Jesus Christ. Now the 15th chapter and the second verse. And the, listen now, in the 15th chapter and the second verse. Now we're reading then from the 14th and the 9th verse. Now the 15th and the second verse. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noise and grievous sores upon man which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshiped his enemy. The sixteenth chapter and the second verse. And with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of the wrath of the fornication. Just a minute, I beg your pardon. I turn must turn to government one. All right. Now, the twentieth chapter and the fourth verse. All right. Here we are. And I saw thrones, and them that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them which were beheaded for the witness of Jesus Christ and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received the mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Saints received the mark of the beast, and then worship Christ or be with him. But whosoever shall worship the beast, or the image of the beast, will be tormented in the presence of God and in the presence of the holy angel. That's what the Lord says about it. Now, we're going to begin, turn your Bible now to the 13th chapter of Revelation, and we'll start just in a few moments. Now, this is very essential, and listen closely now. First, we want to pick up our subject from last night. Last night we've taken on the church ages. 
that now that we saw Jesus standing in his church speaking as the voice of many waters, and he had hair like wool, eyes like flames of fire. Remember, all the, the revelation is a vision and symbolic. All of it has a meaning, so you have to watch closely, read the prophets, see what the symbols meant, then compare it over here so that you'll know what the symbols really mean. And eyes like flames of fire running to and fro through the earth. And we found out that those flames like swords, a sword went out of his mouth, and a two-edged sword. And we found out that that was the word of God went forth from the church's mouth. And it was even cut to the mire of the bone and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews, the fourth chapter. We found the church standing there in its beauty. Christ just molded into it. And the church had a white garment on. And you notice it was a woman around the breast. It had the garment covering over her shame and was had a golden card pulled around it that held it around the breast. White, seeking the righteousness of Christ. And the golden card represented the gospel. The go preaching of the gospel brings the Holy Spirit over the church, the righteousness of Christ. Amen. Holds it there tied with the strings, the girdle strings. Then he was standing up on feet like brass that had been burnt in the furnace. Brass speaks of divine judgment. And God, to appease his great old steady touch, he sent Christ, and Christ paid the divine judgment. And then the church is based upon divine judgment, Christ standing in his place. What a beautiful picture. Standing in seven golden candlesticks. And then we find out that the first church age, what they had. How many of you realize how they see your hand? All right, that's fine. The first church age, we found out in the Ephesian church age, they had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they baptized people in water. And they had the, all kinds of signs and wonders was to accompany the believer. And that how over in the every church age it began to dim out. The second round, third round, then through the dark age, and they come out with a false name. With a false baptism. Both for water and Holy Spirit. And then they come on down the next age and they lightened up a little. And then there was a door set for the opening between the Philadelphian and the Lady of Sin church age. And then the lady of sin got lukewarm and went come out from it all to God heard it out of his mouth. Right? That's scripture. And every historian and every orthodox believer knows that those seven church ages were or seven golden candlesticks, as the Bible said, was the seven church ages. Like the old testament types of the new here. And just as it went out. But there is to be a great shaking and a revival just before the closing of the Gentile dispensation, before the Jews pick it up again. Remember, Gentiles are only limited amount of time for grace. The Bible 
Paul said they would chop down the walls of Jerusalem, Jesus said, until the Gentile dispensation would be finished. That's right. It's got a definite set time of finish. And we find out the things that they did back there. We know it's the signs and wonders that accompany it, how Christ told them how wonderful it was and how they were. Then the light began to get dimmer and dimmer and went out. And then just at the closing, it was to be another open door set for the church. Now, let's stop right there before we get into it. Notice, let's pick up another prophecy that comes on my mind. The prophet said, there will be a day when it will neither be night or day. Am I too loud? If you can, you can have a... I know it rebounds, that's if I talk a little loud so the people in the back will be sure to hear because this is very vital. And there will be a time, a day, the prophet said, which will not be neither night or day. In other words, it will be light, but it will be cloudy. See, a cloudy day. But in the evening time, it will be light. What a beautiful picture. Now, when the dawn broke on this cloudy day, that means that there'll be wars and troubles and ups and downs and dispensations and <laughs> churches and isms and everything. It'll not be light or dark. It'll be a time that we know that there is a God and there is a gospel, but they just simply can't see through it. You know what I mean? Say, the Bible said that they did that back there on Pentecost. They did that in the early church. They had these signs and wonders. But our church don't teach that. It's a cloudy. Neither dark nor day. But yet we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in his second coming. And we know he's coming. The Bible said on unity, God light or dark. You couldn't call it day. You couldn't call it night. But notice, in the evening time, it'll be light. In the evening time. When the Eastern people, this book is the Eastern book, the Bible is. When the light first dawned on the early church at Ephesus, well, we remember and see what's taking place there. The light of God brought to Jesus Christ by the first pouring out of the Holy Ghost. It gave light to all the world and wrote the Bible. Is that right? Yes. Now he promised on the Western world the sun rises in the east at the beginning of the dispensation of grace. And now the sun is setting in the west on the Western people. We are the Western people. Amen. And we have promised that there be a revival and it would be light in the evening time. We're here. The light is shining. And the dark is comprehended at night. That's it. Man loves evil deeds better than do uh, good deeds. But it's just fixing the drop over the horizon under. And what little light we got? Hold on to it. Look, it's the same sun that rose yonder on the Jews or setting here on the Gentiles. Amen. All through the age or through these 2,000 years we had this and that and organizations and dispensations and that and that and people don't know where we are standing. But the Bible promises God did to the prophets that in the evening time it would be light. It'll be light in the evening time. I believe we're here. The sun is setting. All nature is groaning, crying for that day. Amen. Notice, now we find out that what they had there at the very first church age, they got a strange doctrine. The first thing, it just becomes some deeds. He said, thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans. I wonder what the Nicolaitans was. 
I'll run that through and through history over and over and over to the best commentaries I could find, and nobody can know. Unless it was a doctrine that was started by a man, Nick, Nicholas, which was supposed to be one of the apostles that kind of went astray. He set him up a priest or something or another, and from there started the Nicolaitans. It was these first. And what was these in Ephesus in the next church age become a doctrine and then went into the dark ages of persecution. Now that same Nicolaitan doctrine that started here in the first church, after the first three or four rounds of apostles, it become a deed, they begin to think, well, this would be it. Now all of you know how it come out, you Bible readers. Now, it started up about 80, 600, uh, 306, what they call the conversion of Constantine. He never was converted. The guy who did the dirty things that that man done wasn't converted. <laughs> That's right. The only thing he ever done that had any any religion to it at all. He put a cross on the St. Sophia Church. Wasn't that something to go to heaven for? All right. He told the Christians if he won that war, he'd become a Christian. And they prayed and he went out and won the war, or won the battle. He come back and said, well, I'll join the church. A very beautiful type of a lukewarm church member today. That's right. Put the cross upon the church. After his death, he had two sons, three sons, Constantine, Constantine, and Constantinople, which is starting to make the East and West of Rome, and they split. And in there, then, becoming the Ottoman Empire along in that time, and then the, about the second round, or third, fourth round of the apostles, and then the first thing you know, they begin to punch among one another. And if there's a little ism, everybody, you take a church. There, when that Western Methodist church was in power, she was power when John Wesley was there. The Lutheran was in its day, and everyone, but let the founder die once, then they go astray. When the Lord first appeared back on them, when they wanted me to start making an organization on this, uh, so forth like this, I went up here and I've seen where Dwight Moody, great founder of the Moody Bible Institute, and I thought if Dwight Moody could look upon this Bible Institute, what that man stood for and what they do now. Well, I said, look here. Look, what if, what if Wesley, Calvin, Knox, Finney, Finney, or Finney, any of them could raise today and see their church, where's that? Oh, my. See, the first round, when the man standing there, he holds the truth. Look at Dr. Dowling in Zion City. What a very life in the face of divine healing when the, the city was based upon it. Well, when Dowling died, then up comes, uh, uh, what, um, Lake, John Lake and all that, and then the first thing was wound around now, the assemblies of God got into it, and a big bunch of formals and everything, and the, the church is gone and backslid and in a horrible condition. Yeah. So I found this. The Bible said David served the Lord well in his generation. So I said, Lord, I don't own an organization. Let me serve you with all my heart while I'm here living. That's yeah. right. And that's, you have another man when I'm gone. You have somebody take his place. That's all. No kind of build up on some of the you can't build a fire in the same ground. The Israel had to keep journeying. When they stopped, they backslid. They had to keep moving every night. Build a new fire every night. Just keep moving on. And that's what we've got to do. What Luther had was fine. That was for Luther's day. What Wesley had was fine. That was Wesley's day. What the holiness had, that was fine. That was their day. We're living in another day. Now we're, living, we're moving on. There'll be a day after us. It'll come just the same. But let's walk in the light while light is here. Now, uh, notice this, that in 
stand there, this doctrine become first thing you know, to broke up into a bunch of isms. Then the Romans got converted. Now the Roman Empire, since the days of, of Rome first taken over and won the Gentile world over from the uh, Greeks, after the fall of Alexander the Great, has been the predominating nation of the world. The Roman people, the Gentile age. Daniel said so in the vision. We'll get to it in a few minutes. But it's always had the dominating power over the world, the Romans. And then uh, we find out there then that they organized a church. A bunch of people got together, about 606, and called themselves the early fathers. The fathers of the church. Groups of men come together and help counsel uh, what they must do. And they set up an organization. And let me speak here, my dear Christian friends, both Protestant and Catholic. And I, I suppose I've got Catholic friends sitting here. I'm not saying this to hurt your feelings. So just hold on just a few minutes and we'll get the brand tabernacle in it also. See? Just a minute. We only have to preach the gospel as it's laid here. No matter where John said the axe is laid to the root of the tree, let the chip fly wherever they wish to. That's right. You must cut the trees and things. But look, in there they organized the first church. And they got together and organized the first church, which was called the Universal Church, or the Catholic Church, in Rome. And the Catholic says that he is the Mother Church. And that's exactly the truth. It's the Mother Church of Organization. Correctly. It's the first time in all the world's history that ever there was a church organized. Never was from the dawn of time to the days of Israel. They were not a they were not an organization. They were a race. Not an organization. And they, Jesus Christ never did organize a church. None of the apostles ever organized a church. And no time down through after three or four generations after did they ever organize a church. I want you to bring the history and put your finger on the Show me where it's at. Now, I read Josephus and all the most outstanding historians we have in the world today, and I know of them. Of course, I must be sure I make this statement before thousands of people. You've got to be able to back up and prove what you're talking about. Yeah, that's right. There never was an organization, and St. Peter never founded the Catholic Church. I want one history or one better scripture. St. Peter was a married man. You said he was a pope, he could have been a pope. Peter was a married man. The Bible said his wife's mother laid sick of the, of the fever, and Jesus healed her. And as far as the old St. Peter was never in Rome. And there's no history that ever shows he was in Rome. And that's an era. But they organized and set together a church called the Universal Church. There they made a universal prayer. They had perfect harmony. Everybody had to be together. Everybody say the same thing, the same prayer said. And they made up a bunch of scriptures, taking them from the Bible, many of them, and making others. There is not purgatory mentioned one time in all the sacred books of the Bible. No Hail Marys, nothing like that. It's always contrary and against it. Everywhere in the scriptures. Never was it at any time. And if you find any place, you've got the privilege coming tomorrow night and correcting me. It's not there. Nowhere. Bring your priest or pastor. There's no place in the scripture where it's ever mentioned. The only little book of the Maccabees that was added into this, which is not inspired, the things that was put in this, 
took out of this, this Bible is the only one that has been recognized by the early founders or any of the early church historians or any time of the Orthodox Jews and never recognized nothing but this Bible that we have today. Now, then in that, listen closely now. Now, you say the Catholics get a strategy in just a moment. Now, then they organized the Catholic Church and it started the persecution that they were accused had to make everyone, everywhere, the church and state united together and brought in from pagan Rome to papal Rome. In other words, from a pagan superstition, they adopted Christianity in their own form. See? They couldn't understand why this man was standing afraid enough and they were pagans. So they just took down Venus and put up Mary. They took down Jupiter, put up Peter, some kind of a statue to worship. Now, and they worshiped before that, and they made a universal prayer, said it in Latin so it would never fail, and so forth. They'd always say the same. And you cannot discuss or debate with a Catholic priest or no Catholic upon the basis of the Bible. One that this young priest here at my house this recently, he said, you Protestants, you read the Bible and stay home. We Catholics go to church and worship. I said, but why? I answered that. He said, God is in his church. I said, he, not one speck of scripture says so. I said, God is in his word. He said, let every man's word be a lie and mine too. He said, don't you think a whole group of fans canceled together? Would be more authority than just one man? I said, no, if the one man's in the will of God, he's got the truth. Always true. Like when Johanna was in Micah, the, the lessons we just had the other day, last Sunday, when Michael went up there and 400 preachers standing saying, Go up, the Lord is with you. Go up, the Lord is with you. John says, Isn't there one more here? He said, There's Micah, but I hate him. He said, Let's hear what he says. The Gorilla, Rossi, Israel, scattered like a sheep. So didn't I tell you? See? So who was right there when 400 trained prophets standing before the man? And yet one little old ragged holy roller standing back there had the truth. That's right. That's true. He did. He had the truth. He got smacked in the mouth and beat over it, but he had the truth. Amen. So it doesn't matter how many says this or how many says that, it's what thus saith the law. Amen. That's true. You have to stand by yourself next time when you stand by the word of God. But be sure to stand what the Lord has said. Amen. Now, they organized this church, great body, the Catholic Church, which is the predominating of all the religions today in the Christian realm, this Catholicism. But they say, you don't eat, we don't eat. Say, where do you get not eating meat? Where do you get the priest not married? Where do you get the... Say, we don't teach the Bible. Said the church is the voice. No matter what the Bible says, it's what the church says. But God said, let every man's word be a lie and mine be true. Now, you have to Now, that Nicolaitan had become a doctrine and then become a persecution. Now, here it comes out here in the last days, then they're coming away through the dark ages and the persecution. Then there come a let up on the first reformation, which is Martin Luther. Martin Luther protested against the Catholic Church. Because of, uh, he walked up there and took that communion, and they said, this is the body of Christ. He said, it isn't the body of Christ. It's wafers. That's all it is. 
They believe that is the Holy Eucharist, which the Holy Eucharist means Holy Ghost. And when you take that, you take the Holy Ghost into your body. And that's wrong. The Holy Ghost is the baptism of the Spirit. Now, and when the day of Pentecost is fully come, a priest come up and give them the Holy Eucharist a wafer on their tongue. Or not some preacher walked up and sprinkled some water on and shut their hand either. No, sir. But there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. That's scripture. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened in that church. And that's what's happened when the light is shining in this day. Yeah. That's where the light broke in down here. That's where the light breaks in here. Now, if any scriptures I'm quoting, it's question just lay it up on. I'll give you the place for a time. See? In the scripture. All right. Or is it just a little time like this? Usually when we comb through, we take weeks and months. Just every scripture, run it down, have the people with their Bible, but if it's question, just let me know. All right. Then, Martin Luther. Then after Martin Luther comes, John Wesley. Martin Luther come out with catechism, a whole lot of things. He come out with a baptism. He come out giving a shrine sanitarian baptism, which is never taught in the Bible. Never taught in the Bible. There never was anybody ever baptized in a tribe with baptism in the Bible. If it's so, come show me where it's at. It's not there. The only way that they were commissioned to be baptized was go and teach all nations. He said back there, and baptize them into the name, not in the name, into the name, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the disciples turned right around and baptized everybody in the name of Jesus Christ. And commission that if anybody had been baptized any other way, had to come and be rebaptized again before they could get the Holy Ghost. And here comes the Catholic Church out. Put one place on the Bible where any person was ever baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. That's pretty blank, isn't it? That's not the question. We'll get straightened that out. All right. All right, I want anybody who can show me one place where any person was ever baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, I'll walk off the pulpit and say I'm a hypocrite. And anybody who was baptized any other way had to come and be rebaptized again in the name of Jesus Christ to receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. Exactly. That's what the Bible says. Now, you see, we take theory instead of truth. Now, you look at the scripture. Don't say that. Well, Brother Bram said, you look at the scripture now. Get your concordance. Look it up. And then as soon as you notice each one in church ages had his name until it comes into this dark church age. And look, that typing back down there in, in the Orthodox church, when the darkest age was on of the Jews was when Ahab in the bloom after, after the great king before him and the, uh, before that had Israel all in a beautiful condition and Ahab come in as a borderline believer, a lukewarm condition, and went over and married this little princess, Jezebel, which was an idolater, and brought her in and brought idolatry into Israel. Don't you remember that? The very beautiful type when Protestantism married into Romanism, they brought idolatry again into Christianity in the dark age. And exactly, geographically, now watch when it comes out on this side. Here you got what? A substitute for the Holy Ghost. A wafer. A substitute for the water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. They substituted everything I can take and prove by the scriptures. Substitute after substitute, and Martin Luther agreed with it. 
John Wesley come right along with the same thing and agreed with it. There never was nobody ever in the Bible ever sprinkled. Never was such a thing. There's no such a thing in the Bible. No commission, no order for it at all. But you permit it. That's right. You permit it. They come out and get this little uh, salt shaker and sprinkle it on you. Why? The Catholic Church started it. And you bow to it. Amen. Right. Yep. Yeah. So I said, you're not a, you, you're just a non-Catholic. You're, I said, no, brother, I'm a Protestant. I protest the thing. That's right. As a minister of the gospel with the children of God, is not a candidate here for heaven, and I'm to preach for them and step before them as a teacher with signs and wonders, I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't stand for what was true. Amen. I said, yes, sir. I'll stand as an enemy. I'm going to I'll just teach what's the Bible, and I'm willing at any time to discuss it with anyone. Amen. Let it be Pope of Rome, Archbishop, or whatever he is. Yes, sir, that's right. If I'm wrong, come show me. Now, if I'm not wrong, but I'm quoting the scripture. Hallelujah. You don't take your textbook. This is the textbook. Right here. Amen. Now, then, you notice they begin to come out with all this formal. Now, in the last days, there is coming a persecution. Now, we're about Revelation, the 13th chapter now, to begin with. Now, if you'll notice, on down in the chapter here, it said, I'll look. And lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Sinai. No, I'm begging your pardon. I'm in the wrong verse, the wrong chapter, the 14th, uh, 13th chapter. I stood upon the sands of the sea and saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon the horns ten crowns, and upon, upon his head the name of blasphemy. What is blasphemy? It's to make fun of, ridicule, talk about. Now watch, he has seven heads, ten horns. And watch when he come up, out of the sea. Now the Revelation 17, you're putting it down, 17, 15 says that the, that the waters represent sickness and multitudes of the people. So this beast represents power, ungodly, Power, beast, the prey, raised up out of the people, and stood upon the sands of the sea. And I saw the and the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet was the feet of a bear. His mouth the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and seat and great authority. The dragon. We got two things under consideration now. Watch this beast. It had four different characters in it. And if you'll take Daniel 7, you remark it down, Daniel 7, Daniel saw the same vision 800 years before this. Saw the vision. He saw those beasts separate one from another in the beginning of the Gentile ruling. And here they are, John seeing it, and the end of the Gentile ruling, all four of those beasts represented in one. Them same old devils, demons that possess each kingdom of the Romans down to and the Greeks and so forth on down to the Gentile dispensation have come around and all met up in one beast. Amen. We'll find him directly and see who he is. Amen. Right. All those leopards, lions, all that, the dragon. How many know what the dragon is? The dragon represents Rome. Amen. Yeah, let, let's read that. That's my question in mind. 
Give me Revelations the 12th chapter just a moment here. Let's look here. Revelations 12. Now look, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman. What does a woman represent? The church. This is, a, this is the bride here. This is the church, the real church. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet. Look, the moon under uh, the sun at her head, the moon under her feet. The sun was a dispensation of grace, and the moon was a dispensation of law. The woman was the orthodox church, and she was standing over the law. The law was passing away because the law was a shadow of the good things to come. Amen. Is that right? The moon is only a shadow of the sun reflecting on the moon. Is that right? Making the moon. And the law was under her feet. She'd done live through that day. And notice how she was dressed her now. And under her feet and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. The church is crowned with the doctrine of the twelve apostles. See? And she being with child, cried, prevailing in birth, pain to be delivered. That was all about church. Wow. And, and there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads. See? Keep that seven in mind now. Seven heads always. Seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head. Now, and his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Yeah. Oh, and she brought forth a man-child, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and the child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Amen. The Orthodox Church standing there. The sun shining down. The doctrine of the twelve apostles. All right. With the moon under her feet, the law. The shadow of the things to come. The gospel light shining now. The law faded away when the sun came out. She was pained to be delivered. And she brought forth a man child which was Christ Jesus. And he was caught up to God. But as soon, here as soon as the dragon, which was the devil, saw the woman ready to be delivered, he stood right by her to devour his child as soon as it was born. And when Jesus was born, the Roman Empire issued a proclamation to slay all the children from two years old down to get to kill Christ Jesus and God the whole world over his eyes and take him back to Jesus and hit him as it is Moses the same way. There's that red dragon, the devil. Where does he see that? In, not in Russia, in Rome. And said the devil give him his seat and his authority. Red dragon, not Russia, are your great minister saying the Russian is the Antichrist. Why would Russia have nothing to do with the Antichrist? That's communism. Amen. The falsity of Protestantism and Catholicism has produced communism. Amen. Reason the Russians drove them out of there because they had all the money and all, all the prayers said to the saints so they built the biggest buildings and had all the wealth of the people and burned it up like that and they seemed they lived no different. It was no different than the rest of the world and it built it out and formed communism. Amen. Now if you'll give me one more night of God just, I'll prove you that communism is working straight in the hands of Almighty God. Sorry, the Roman and remember, I say this as God's prophet, the 
Russian Empire will drop an atomic bomb of some sort on the Vatican City and destroy it in one hour. Thus saith the Lord. Amen. And the Bible said that God took them true-hearted men and put them in his hands, and they were instruments in his hands to fulfill his will and to bring back to her exactly what she had come to do. Amen. Exactly. That's the word. Brother, you just don't realize how cunning these things are. Remember, Jesus Christ said that the Antichrist would be so close it would deceive the very end. Amen. Thank you. So now don't let any man entice you. So don't be like heathens. Say your prayer over and over. Hail Mary, bless our Lord, 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 So don't be like heathens using vain repetition. He said, don't you call no man father as in this earth either. Or as you raise up one father and that's in heaven. But you turn around and you that you do it anyhow, because it's popular. The devil has always had a popular thing. It's always been from the beginning. A form of religion. Cain had the same thing. Here's his spirit moving out of here to the Antichrist, and here comes Abel to slay him once. Right. Notice. And now look, all these beasts back there was all wound up into one beast over here, which is called the Red Dragon, the devil. Now let's begin the 15th verse of the 13th chapter. You see now that that Rome was, was the seat of Satan, the seven-headed beast with the ten horns, stood by the trial, Christ child to devour him just as soon as he was born. Who did it? Herod! Rome! Always been. We're getting Daniel's record. We have enough time. Your Lord helping us. And we'll see like everywhere in the scriptures from the beginning of the Gentile comes back from Genesis. I can prove that Babylon began in Genesis and ends up in Revelation. Started out back there with Nimrod, the son of Ham, to idolatry, to bring idols in, to worship idols, and it's come right down to it, and it's so cunning in the last days to take on the name of Christianity and still idolatry. Didn't the great St. Paul in 2 Thessalonians say, let's just read it before we go any farther. 2 Thessalonians, 2nd chapter. You see what Paul said here, he even saw it in the Spirit before it even coming into the day that we're living in. Well, my, how the day that we're living in, the darkness that we're living in, and men and women grouping about here in pagan darkness, and don't even know it. What a, what a pity. How uh, the day that Paul said that day should not come unless there come a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed. Now what? He declares him to be a man. Is that right? Amen. Paul said he was a man of sin who opposes himself all above all that's called God. So he that is worshipped as God, a man, worshipped as God. A man that would be put here as a form of worship. And he said, that day could not come except first there come a falling away. Amen. What is it? A lukewarm condition of the church. All right. Listen. Let me read for you, if you will. Second Thessalonians. All right. I can get the right place now to begin so I won't have to read. So much. Let no man deceive you. Third verse, second, Thessalonians, second chapter. Let no man deceive you.
receive you for any need. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. The lady is seeing church is down. And that man in a and singular, man of sin, be revealed a son of perdition instead of instead of the son of God. Amen. Son of perdition. Who opposes himself and exalts himself above all is called God so that he is worshipped as God. That he, as God set up in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Accepting confession. Don't tell me my past friends. How you say you don't believe in the one marriage? The Catholic Church seeks the one marriage. If you ain't got no money, that's all right. Well, let me tell you right here, my own people, a young woman sitting right here, a mother sitting here, a dad too, and another woman here for the boy. The girl married a Protestant boy. They separated and went out. So then the first thing you know, the girl was going to marry a Catholic boy. And she had to go out and pay a lot of money and come back and she wasn't married to this Protestant boy in the first place. Here's Howard, my own people right out there won't call the name. She's got she's got a daughter, and the daughter's about twenty-six years old. Her husband, she left him down in Milltown and run away and married a Catholic man. And now they said he has to be out of the church. So they paid so much money to come back and change her back to a virgin again and marry her back to this man. Change her back to a virgin. She's married in the sight of God and living in a adultery. Exactly right. That's not the day of the Lord, too. What a disgrace. Pay so much money in. That's the reason all these big churches and schools are built. That's how the whole world... You don't know it here in the United States. You ought to follow me overseas once and you'll find out. Uh, yes, sir, you over there, brother, where they got the upper hand. I'd bring you a picture all authentic, brother, pop just taking the snap to me of a Protestant preacher, a Holy Ghost preacher, and on the swelled, three of that high, and his wife and a little girl swelled up like that because they preach Jesus Christ, the power of the resurrection, and people can be saved and receive the Holy Ghost. They murdered him on the street and would let him be buried and spit on for days after days. Uh, that's right. Right there where Brother Austin had to be telling her guns to take it out. They went down there and one, a group of priests came together and murdered this young man. And a wife had just had a baby and they walked through the street like that. Having an a, a escort taking him down to the grave to bury him. And this mother walked with a baby crying behind her dead husband. And people looked out of the window. Honest hearted people said, if that's the way the Catholic Church feels, we renounce it. And followed by the thousands down the street. Brother Osmond had a revival there until they couldn't put him out in the nation. Just too many people. That's exactly right. Oh, that hypocrisy. I know it's a bad picture. Just sit still, Catholic friends. We'll get some rubbing on the other side in a few minutes. All right. Notice. Now we're going to come down. Notice a little farther. Let me get this to you. Maybe I have time. About 30 minutes yet. Watch close. Now let's go back every reader just in your mind for a minute for a mental picture. When... Every Orthodox believer here knows that the Gentile reign began with King Nebuchadnezzar. Is that right? Every Orthodox believer knows that. And King Nebuchadnezzar had a vision, and Daniel gave him the interpretation. Is that right? And he was the head of gold, which is the Babylonians. The second was the Medes and Persians. The next was the Greeks and Empire, then the Roman Empire, and at the end of the Roman Empire, 
Jesus Christ was the rock that was hewed out of the mountain without hands, that rolled in and broke down the image. Is that right? He covered the earth. Anyone knows that? Any believer knows that? And how that in the last days when they broke up into these many different kingdoms and so forth, as they told, it was iron and clay. And he, the prophet said, as much as thou that see iron and clay won't mix together, neither will these cleave one to another, but they'll mingle in seeds. In other words, they'll marry into them, trying to raise their children and break for the power and like that. And you know that's the truth. What a hold is God. And you people nut down to it. Paul oh, it's wonderful. Look at this Phoebus and everybody's name is up here. Now what is his name up? We get this guy up here to raise all this fuss around here. Yeah. Oh my. This United States is rotten to the core. Amen. Yes, sir. I can prove to you the very time when this woman here, back in Revelation 12, when the, her, her man child was caught up to set on God's throne, and when did the woman fled into the wilderness where she was taken care of for a thousand two hundred and three score days to exactly the date of Plymouth Rock. Amen. Exactly. Where the church come over here for freedom of religion. And she established here, and we'll read on down in 13th chapter of Revelation here, and look here at the 15th verse. And, uh, just a minute, I want to go back before that. And we see here where that he was standing here by the seaside. Uh, if I can just find the place for uh, 11th verse. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. Not out of water, out of the earth. Then there's sickness and multitudes of people as water, then this is where there was no people, the United States. And he had two horns like a lamb. Two horns like a lamb, not a lamb. What is it? It's our American buffalo. Sure. See, there he is. Two horns like a lamb. But then what did he do? He had freedom of religion first. He acted like a lamb. He spoke like a lamb. But remember, he never even become an old lamb. He was a lamb. This country's only 150 years old, you know. Just a lamb. And then he spake like a dragon. And he exercised all the power the first beast had before him, the red dragon, and caused all that was on the earth to draw upon the earth to worship the feet whose deadly wound was healed. Look. And, and he does great wonders, so to make the fire come down out of heaven, the atomic bomb and hydrogen smart, the television nation and so forth, deceiving the nations by these things. This United States will come to a time that church and state will unite together. And Protestant and Catholic will shoulder things together to fight communism. And it's exactly playing in the hands of what God said right here. And you Protestants laying out there, sound asleep, reading a love story magazine and sitting your Bible. Out gathered around somewhere to some guy with a party instead of in a prayer meeting somewhere. Or fussing at one another about the little petty things that don't matter that much. You ought to be on your knees somewhere. You know what he's urging in. Notice. When King Nebuchadnezzar, in the beginning back at him, when the Gentile age was issued in, let's watch how it come in. And the way it come in, you'll find out it goes out the same way. We know that there is a beginning of time of grace for the Gentiles and an ending of time. Is that right? How was When King Nebuchadnezzar, when Daniel was sent down there, a smart prophet, when all the rest of the Jews had kind of humbled down and was bound to the Romans, or to the Babylonians. But there were three, four men, three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
and Daniel, who purposed in their heart to serve God. And then when the those Shadrach and so forth in, and Daniel become a great man before King Nebuchadnezzar and Bel the Savior and so forth, when he become a great man, now what? King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold and set it up out in the field and said that everybody would have to bow to that image. Did you ever notice the innocence of it? Who that image is made of? It was Daniel. The image of a man. And did he say the spirits of the God, heathen, and as we are today, got three or four of them, the spirits of the God lives in him, and he made an image to Daniel. And he said, all that won't say about that image will be thrown in the fire furnace. You know, Daniel's off the scene at that time. You know what I mean? And ever who would not bow to that image should be cut to pieces or thrown into the lion's den or burn the fire furnace or something to punish him. That's the way the Gentile dispensation begins with a pagan form of religious worship with a persecution to make them bow to it. And the Bible predicts it will end the same way. A holy name, Jesus Christ, an image to him to worship it, and so forth. You remember the Fox Book of Martyrs, the whole truth that they before put an obstacle in your arm like that? You would say if you wouldn't renounce out Protestantism and become a Catholic and kiss this crucifix and start one off one way and one the other and pull them apart. They burned them in the stakes. They done everything. I've been the old catacombs. I know what I'm speaking of. That's right. There they lay. Notice how they went through that days of martyrdom before Martin Luther. According to the Bible also. Now, notice closely again now. Now, I want you to agree things to notice. How did that Babylonian kingdom break up? One night when he went over, he got the holy vessels of God and began to drink wine in it. Began to have a big time and get a bunch of women out there, concubines. And were dancing and reveling and having a big time. Is that right? At that time, there was a handwriting come over all the of Asia. Is that right? And he went and got all the Chaldeans, or smart men, the lukewarm church members, and none of them could read it. That's right. But they had a man there who could read unknown tongues. How could he interpret it? See what I mean? He could interpret unknown tongues. That's the way it went out. That's the way she's going out now with the power of the Holy Ghost and the people who fill with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and who have power and signs among you. There goes the Gentile church.
He's not willing to arrange the parish, but Lord, he will because you're too unconcerned about it. And you'll go around and see something looks a little fanatic, they a little scary. Well, Dr. So-and-so said so-and-so and so-and-so, and then you walk around and bang! In the Holy Ghost! Amen. You know that guy is never to be forgiven. You're going to find out if you know what the mark of the devil is. What the, what the seal of the devil is. The mark of the beast. Whosoever speaks against the Holy Ghost will never be forgiven in this world the world to come. Watch that first church, what they've done. Watch out about this second church.
ten horns. And the woman, the woman, now the church, now the beast is the power you have. The Roman Catholic Church, but the Roman Catholic power. But here's the church speaking out. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of the abomination of the filthiness of her fornication. There it is. It's some church you know, isn't it? Got to be there. She picks it out. Just read on down there. We see who she is. And upon her head was written the name Mystery, Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots, the abomination of the earth. All right, Dorothy, here's where you get sweet. You'll admit she's a prostitute, but she was the mother of what? Of sons? Of harlots? That would be women, is that right? That would be churches then, is that right? She is the mother of church then, isn't she? Where did Martin Luther come from? Catholicism. Where all these hatch out of? Catholicism. Where did this same doctrine? And you're bound to it. That an honest woman in Jeffersonville can bring forth a good, true, virgin girl. That's right. And she can go straight as she wants to. And so did the Lutheran Church, the Methodists, the Baptists, the Presbyterians, and so forth. They went straight for a while. When they were, were founders of that, preached the gospel to them. But now, they go to shows, dancing, television, smoke, do everything else. You know what's the truth? Stay home on Sunday, what is it? Because your harlot is acting like her mammy. Exactly. Exactly. Now, let's see where the color lays. The Bible says she was the mother of harlots, and everyone knows that that was pagan Rome or Miss Papal Rome. The Catholic Church in the middle, I'll show you. Position they put through the earth, just exactly where she'll be setting. Right. Where she's at and who she is. The Bible says so, not me. The Bible. And said that she brought forth a lot of daughter churches after her. All right, now, Methodists and Baptists and Lutherans and so forth. You see where you got to? A mother of harlots. They lived all right. But when the light begins to shine, it's like a bunch of roaches in the summertime. Turn on the light in the road where the roaches eat on an old corn cob or something like that and throw the light on watch them hit for cover as hard as they can. You preach the gospel of the baptism of the Holy Ghost without these old formal ungodly churches watching. We don't believe those
And each star was to be given to each church age for a life. Why? Why? You were organized. Your church said so, and that's the 
reason you couldn't do it. But many of you Methodists tonight got the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Many of you Baptists tonight got the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Yes, sir. You, many of you holiness tonight got the Holy Ghost. Again. Did I say that, brother Brown? Go ye into all the world 
and preach this power and demonstration to every nation. And at last two-thirds of it yet has never heard it. And these signs shall fire in, damn every nation. Glory! Oh, my, maybe you think I'm crazy. Brother, I tell you, I love this good old-time religion. Yes, sir. Anchors you in Christ. Now you see what the mark of the beast is? It's a mark of apostasy. It's a person who is a, just thinks that, well, I belong to church, and I'm just as good as the next fellow, and not I belonging to this church. And you realize where your church organization you're depending on where it comes from? Do you realize the Bible says, He that worships the beast receives his mark, or the letter of his name? Now watch, in forehead or hand, that's knowledge or deed. That don't mean you got a big that tattoo on your face. <laughs> it don't have to be that. It's not talking to the outward, it's talking to the spiritual. You're watching to see what he knows about the scriptures. Listen to him, see where he goes to. If any man that don't have this doctrine, there's no light in him, the Bible says. See, see? Watch where he goes to. Watch what he does. He said, well, I'm, 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 I'm close to him. I'm close to him. church And on Sunday, he just has about enough respect for it to come in out of the ring. He goes down instead of going to prayer meeting, he holds up the church and sets and watch television. He goes out here and he drinks and carries on and acts like the rest of the world, yet he belongs to the church. Remember, that's the mark of him. Now, let's read on a little further quickly. Now I'll close. We have uh, time. Let's see now the sixth verse. And I saw the woman of the church drunk with the blood of the saints. Drunk with the blood of the saints. You know the Bible said when she was destroyed that every mortal that died on the earth, the guilt was found in the Catholic Church. Exactly the beginning. And with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus, and, John speaking now, and when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. John said, now let's look at this. John said, I'll look at her. She was so pretty, I loved her. She had a whole bunch of churches been born out of her, mother of Christ. And I looked back down her, and how could that woman be given out that false doctrine, causing all the kings and great men to be made drunk with it, and hear her daughters are doing the same thing? When I looked at her, she was so pretty. One place in the said, I've said it's a queen you have me tonight. And uh, John said, I admired her. I looked at her and looked with great admiration. I admired her. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore dost thou marvel? I will tell thee. I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has seven heads and ten horns. Now let's see if we're right. If we got Catholicism right, then you know Protestantism is following it. So you got, you, you got intelligence enough to know that. See what? The beast which thou sawest was, is not, and is. The beast. Now what? Now you notice over here it said how many kings do us, how the fallen one must come, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. Not on the Bible. Out of a bunch of superstitions that was made up. There's no background for it. Where do you get purgatory at? Where do you get this non-meeting, the priest not marrying, and all these other things they do, confession? Where do you get that at? There's no place, nowhere to find it. It come out of hell. The 
so it come out the beast, the power, the doctrine it had. Come out of the bottom of its pit. And go up into perdition. Where is perdition? Hell. Goes right on back to the place where it comes from. And they that dwell upon the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book from the foundation of the world. When they beheld the beast which was, is not, and yet is. Now the Protestant church will say, well, how can that be? When they say, I believe Jesus Christ. He is my personal Savior. The devil believes also, brother. It's got to be a regeneration, a new birth, a born again. And when you're born again, your name is put in the Lamb's Book of Life. He said, oh, no wonder, well, what? Ain't I as good as somebody else? Ain't I as good as a bunch of you, nitwit holy roars? I'm as intelligent, I've got, an, I've got degrees, I'm out of a college, I come from a good family, my people were church members before me, and I as good as you? He said, the whole world, Protestant and all, wonders. All except those whose names were written in the book. Why are their names written? They're Abraham's seed. And they're heirs according to promise, elected before the foundation of the world. That's why they don't wonder. Notice. Here, I like what he said. What means in the Rand Book of Life? And here is the mind that has wisdom. Now, I want to ask you something. Is wisdom one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Is that right? How many believe that the Bible, 1 Corinthians 12, teaches that the gift of the, in the church is wisdom? Let's see. One of the gifts. Well, how could you say there's no speaking in tongues then? How do you say there's no interpretation tongues? How could you say there's no divine healing? For the same body, if I'm a body, got a hand on this side and a hand on this side and a foot there, how can you say that the hand's off the foot? Didn't you know what Paul said? Now, while he's speaking in the last days directly to the body, he said, here's to the one that has wisdom. Oh, I like this. Oh, my. Here's one that'll shock you. Listen to this. All right. Here is the mind which has wisdom. If those Holy Spirit gifts didn't come down to all the age, why did he speak this for the last days then? If there's going to be no gift in the church in the last days, why did he direct this to the last days then? Here's to the one that has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. How many hills, how many cities in the world that a church sets on seven hills? Only one. Where is that? The Vatican City in Rome. Is that right? Amen. The Bible says that this horrible horror that made all the world commit fornications and brought out a bunch of little daughters to teach about the same thing she did what his dad is her, but they were harlots. Taught them the same thing, said the beginning of it will be a woman or a church sitting on seven hills in Rome. I look all over the world and tell me where's that a church sitting on seven hills. Now I'm reading this out of the Bible. And there are seven kings, five are fallen. If we take this history and go right back to show where the kings are fallen in the Rome since the uh, Babylonian kingdom. One is Nero, and one is the Khan, and he must continue a short space, about six months when he comes. And the beast, ooh, look at this! Now the power is going to take the pagan place, and the beast that was and is not even is the eighth. Now watch. 
and is of the seventh. You all know what a terrible king he was. He hitched and hooked his mother to a single tree of a horse and drug her through the streets and set the city afar and fiddled up on the hill. That's the same kind of a spirit that's dominating the church that sits in the place of pagans. The eighth, which is of the seven. Then he is and he is not and he is and he is not and he is and he is not on down and goeth into perdition until the time of the coming of the Lord and he's cast into hell. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom there yet but receive power as king one hour with the beast. Oh, we just have received no power as yet. They're not kings. They didn't have the, ten, the horns, didn't have crowns. They received power like kings. What is it? Dictators. Not crown kings. Dictators. Oh, my. Now, oh, when I read this sometimes, my heart leaps for joy. All right. When I think of how that we're living here in the last days, and the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength to the beast. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. There comes the battle of Armageddon, ready for the millennium. For he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Amen. Don't be shook up. And they that are with him are called the chosen. Not few he has. You got the Holy Ghost, you are a shout, victory. God chose you before the foundation of the world. Amen. If you can't speak gospel right, it's because you, you're just lying. Chosen and faithful. And he said unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore set, are people, multitudes, and nations and tongues. In other words, this woman said here the church is going to give out her doctrine to every people, multitude, and tongue. There she is. She has rule over them. He's setting over them. The power is dominating them. He's setting on seven hills. Holes and scars, that's the richest in the world. There she is. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall, watch now, it's coming into the powers of communism, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her fire. For God has put into their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God be fulfilled. Hallelujah. Heavens and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass. Look. The woman which thou sawest, the woman which thou sawest, is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Show me one city in the world is reigning over the kings of the earth. And anyway, if you want to, outside of the Catholic hierarchy in Rome, sitting on seven hills. Not one city never was and never will be 
How far the new city comes from heaven. That's right. Now, just a minute. I want to show you this again so the Lord be mindful and bless us together as we read this. All right. Watch here now. I'm reading the 13th chapter. I'm beginning at the 15th verse. And he had power to give life unto the image. That's in the United States. Lord, we've seen come up with you. Anyway, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many that would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. That's the boycott. And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, bond and free, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreman's head. And that no man might bind or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now watch. I quote now real quote before we quote. 18 first. Listen. Here is wisdom. See the Holy Spirit calling back to the believers in the last days? That little group there speaking, calling to the little group in the state. Here's the him that has wisdom in the church. Let him understand this. Let him that has understanding count the numbers of the beast. For it's the number of a man. Not a nation. A man. And his number is six hundred, three score and six. And right up over the Vatican City. Don't tell me now that's back to our faith and all. Up over the Vatican City and the Pope stands as the vicar of the Son of God. I got Catholic friends sitting right here. What's Catholic? Set your nose, that's the truth. My people perhaps before me were Catholic too. See? They call St. Patrick a Catholic. He never was a Catholic. Said Joan of Arc was a saint, the priest Burner is a witch. No wonder Jesus said, you quite the sufferers of the prophets and you put them in there. You whited walls. <laughs> right. Right. It's the number of a man. And up over the Pope of Rome is wrote a vicarious, a philia, a dilia. It's wrote in Roman letters. Just write it out yourself tomorrow. B-I-C-I-R-O-S-E-D-I in Roman letters and draw your line and add it up and see what you got. 666. Where's he sitting? On seven hills. And out of there comes the organization of religion that taught dogma instead of the Bible. And the Protestants burst out of it and are doing just the same thing they are because he said she was a whore and they were harlots. Bring out with a false baptism, with a false religion, with a false conception of the Holy Ghost, with a false conception of hell, and all these things like that, and the Protestants falling right down in the footsteps. But it'll be like in the evening time. The path of glory you will surely find. That's right. Where is the light today? Buried in the precious name of Jesus. Young and old, repent of all your sins. The Holy Ghost will surely enter in that evening light to come. It is the fact that God and Christ are one. Amen. Brother, I'm telling you, it's the evening light that's shining. The same apostolic doctrine, the same apostolic baptism, the same apostolic filling of the Holy Ghost, the same apostolic signs and wonders are teaching Jews to the Gentiles like it is the Jews back there at the early morning. Here it is in the setting of the sun. Amen. There are people almost everywhere whose hearts are all on flames. 
with the fire that fell on Pentecost, that crimson made and green. Oh, it's burning now within my heart. Oh, glory to his name. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. One of them. I'm one of them. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. One of them. One of them. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. They were gathered in the upper room, all praying in his name. They were baptized with the Holy Ghost and power for service came. Now what he did for them that day, he'll do for you the same. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. Aren't you? Come, my brother, speak this blessing that will cleanse your heart from sin. It will start the joy bells ringing and will keep your soul clean. Oh, it's burning now within my heart. Oh, glory to his name. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. The 
the same. Amen. God bless you. Good night. God bless you.